Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back again to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. I say it every time, but hey, you know where to find us. In order to find me, homie, I'm out here. We're out here. We got this hot lion's news for you whenever you want. In case you don't know where to find it, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart. Did I miss anything? Probably. No, but you did say iTunes again, though, instead of Apple Podcasts. Well, I say it twice. <laughs> I said Apple Podcasts, too. I know. My We're name done. is Christopher Fett. I am uh, almost perfect. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, is how you spell that last name. As I said, it's almost perfect. I am your host through the airwaves of the Detroit Lions. That other voice right there is my partner, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, the false punt god, because the real one is here today. But you can find Jeremy. <laughs> you can find Jeremy on Twitter at Detroit Online. Now let's bring in the true punt god. Non-believers bow down. Uh, Hamza Bakush is here. Hey, Hamza. What it do, baby? <laughs> what it do? What it do? It's good to have you back, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I can't go too long without missing the podcast. My mom listens every week. Gotta, den mother. Gotta we've, we've christened her the heart. den mother. Mm-hmm. We love you, mom. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes this industry has a lot of mama's boys in it. And you know what? That's completely fine. I work with a few myself wherever I am. So like, hey, hey, I have my own mother coming to town uh, next week. But you can find Hamza on Twitter at Hamza P-O-D. And we're all here. We're all sitting down. Let's kick some ass. What are we doing today, Jeremy? Well, first of all, happy regular season, everybody. It's officially week one of the regular season, so we're going to do a season preview a little bit later. But first, we have to talk about a lot of roster cuts because the lines are now down to 53 guys after having 90 a couple days ago. Um, and there were some pr- some surprises along the way, some not-so-big surprises along the way. Um but yeah, I, I'm I'm eager to talk about it because there was a, a a lot that went on. Yeah, and I I think like the thing though is the regular season bears down very quick and turns a lot of the preseason and training camp into a non-story very quickly. I think the yep. big thing today was people, uh, if you were someone who is hyper invested in the team into into the the belief that you think something like say the practice squad makes a difference, you're sitting around looking at guys saying, oh, I hope he doesn't get picked up off the waiver wire. Uh, Jeremy, what was that stat, though, for the waiver wire? Like, guys just don't get snatched. Yeah, I mean, 
literally a thousand players got cut or waived over the weekend, and I believe it was twenty six of them were claimed on the waiver wire. So, that is so a, that's point like two point two percent. Yeah. So everyone that clings to you know, oh, Lions can't cut this guy because he's going to get picked up on the practice squad. That only happened with one Lion, Charles Washington, which was one of the bigger cuts this this weekend. But um, yeah, most of the time. These guys make it through. These guys make it to practice squads. These guys, a lot of them don't get picked up at all. Because as I've been saying, the XFL coming down your throats with the Los Angeles Wildcats and the Tampa Bay Vipers. I shouldn't have gotten you started on that. Ah, Knew that was a mistake. I watched a striptease in the ring once. Okay, okay. I'm only speaking facts, man. I'm only speaking facts with a very bad Vince McMahon accent. Um, I mean, impression. Uh, I know, like, yeah, I, I people like to think there's talent going out here. As I've been saying from the from the jump, like teams know what they want. You know, they they know what they want. They know what they have. I I think we're just bored a little bit, and we're kind of rooting for fun, interesting stories because we think kind of like with college football, there is kind of a salvation out there to join these squads. Uh, and unfortunately, the NFL is a land of hard realities sometimes. But let's talk about this roster. Let's look at the final 53-man roster. And uh, Jeremy, let's start at quarterback because we just did a, a Twitch, a Twitch uh, chat about this. And the surprise from the week was that the Lions traded for former Browns quarterback David Bleh. Bleh. Traded for David Bleh. And his name is just going to get more and more tortured as we go through. And guess what? The Lions are carrying... I, I said this would happen. The Lions are carrying three quarterbacks on their roster. Bleh, Stafford, and Josh Johnson. And honestly, to me, Josh Johnson might be the more interesting storyline here. Like the David, and I'm going to pronounce his name right just for out of respect, but I'm only going to do it once. It's David Blau. Oh, is that how uh, you do it? It is, but that's the only time I'm no, going to pronounce it. I, I literally do not know how to pronounce his name. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say Blau every, from every time now on because it's it's much more fun. No disrespect <laughs> to the guy. But uh, but yeah, Josh Johnson winning the backup job was was a surprise to me. He He obviously outplayed... Tom Savage in the preseason finale. I don't think anyone can deny that, but this is a guy who wasn't even on the roster three weeks ago. So the Lions backup quarterback is a guy who's only been with the team for, for three weeks. You kind of wonder how much of a grasp he has on the offense, but the guy is a, a veteran. He's been with every team in the NFL about, and he's probably seen just about every kind of offense still though. It's kind of a surprise to me. And, and, Credit to Josh Johnson. He did everything he could to, to change the, the team's mind, and, and he did, obviously. But I, I had Tom Savage like written in pen in this roster, so that was maybe the biggest surprise to me. And who knows if it's going to be impactful or not. We all obsess over backup quarterbacks and now third-string quarterbacks. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of shocked by this move. I'm just more, yeah. I'm just more uh, interested that, the quarter, that they're carrying three quarterbacks. But go on, Hamza. Oh, yeah, so I would – Totally agree with Jeremy. I had Tom Savage penned in the whole time. And I think it's a matter of the narrative that Josh Johnson had um, in the beginning. We all know how ugly his Texans debut was. And after that, I mean, it was pretty much, I didn't see any way he could flip the script in two weeks, especially um, I think I wrote in the, uh, 
uh, bold prediction of the week where I said that the Lions would keep three quarterbacks. I said maybe Luis Perez can make the practice squad, but the coaching staff only value the fourth preseason game so much. But apparently uh, they value it a lot because, I mean, he was able to turn the tides there. And I'm honestly really impressed by that. And uh, I wish Tom Savage the best. Unfortunately, with his concussion history, I don't know how much longer he'll last in the league, but I was really surprised, just like Jeremy. Something interesting here is that I know Tease Tabor has gone unclaimed through waivers. So mm-hmm. that is a f- final farewell. Did we get that in the last podcast, Jeremy? I don't think we did. That was um, nope. That was no, the biggest. Tease was released on Saturday. Yeah, and, we didn't get to talk and... about it on the on this uh, podcast at all, <clears throat> did we? No, and and you know the also the also important note there is not only did he not clear or did he clear waivers without being claimed. Lions announced their practice squad and he wasn't on it. So he was eligible to potentially be on the Lions practice squad, but this is obviously a clean break. Tease Tabor's time in Detroit is done. Yeah, and again, not to rehash some points I've made earlier, but I think that the Tease Tabor cut is like the first real blemish we, when we can start looking at Bob Quinn. And I know people can say, oh, you got to give him credit. He knew when to cut bait. Yeah, but he also drafted the guy in the first place. And I know not everything can be a hit, but I do think it speaks to a failure in development for Tease Taper. Uh, whose fault that is at the end of the day, I, I think it's a society. We live in a society. And this was kind of a communal failure all around to really turn this guy from a second-round draft pick, which, I mean, I kind of disagree that, that uh, Bob Quinn is that bad with second round draft picks, because we have seen some good value out of them in someone like, say, uh, you know, Ashawn Robinson, not not the greatest out there at, at the second round. And we're, we're still waiting to see <laughs> development for carry on Johnson. But it's not like he's just completely swung and missing the second round. But I mean, we knew from the jump tease Tabor, everyone watching that draft was like, this is a bit of a stretch. And unfortunately, that seemed to claim to be true. You never want to release your second round draft picks. Uh, scant years into their career. But yep. that's what the Lions have done. And it kind of shakes things up on the cornerbacks. We do have seven cornerbacks for the Detroit Lions. We knew Slay was going to be there. We knew Melvin was going to be there. We knew Coleman was going to be there. Uh, or Warrior and Agnew. I think we knew those guys were going to be there as well. So the last two round out is Mike Ford and D Verge. Virgin, neither of which are really surprises to me, but also not anyone I think that's going to really make too much of an impact on game day unless this depth starts to get slashed by injury. I, th- I think the big surprise with the cornerbacks isn't necessarily the names, it's the amount. Seven cornerbacks is a lot. I think we're most carrying, people had them with carrying either seven five or at, six. We're carrying sever- seven at every level of like <laughs> of seven linebackers, about. seven defensive linemen, uh, only five safeties, but still seven, seven, seven. And Someone is into numerology. <laughs> well, and that's the weird part, right? Because it seemed like the Lions had a lot more talent at safety, but they cut Charles Washington, who's now uh, on another team, and they cut Andrew Adams, who's a veteran, but you know, starting to make some plays here and, and there. And technically, Quandary Diggs is more of a nickel corner at this point, too. Well, probably not. He used you, to be. Think not he, anymore. I mean, you think he's going to? Sw- they're switching him full time to safety. You would think for sure, because okay. that's why they signed Justin Coleman. I mean, to be fair, I feel like the situation where you'll have a lot more corners on the field is more likely to happen than more safeties, um, especially, I mean, you know, nickel and dime. And uh, perhaps Patricia and company wanted to see more of what they've got in terms of um, 
you know, press man corners. I know they they were very specific about it in New England, and they play a pivotal role. So maybe uh, they give them a couple more weeks. Or um, also, there's the possibility of last year where um, the wide receivers sucked, but they ended up keeping six wide receivers for a couple days, and then they just cut them loose and replaced them with other guys. That could just be another placeholder. Sure. And another thing I think to consider, too, is that Amani Oruarie suffered some sort of injury of, of some sort of degree. We have no idea how bad it is, but uh, Matt Patricia did acknowledge that it did happen. Uh, so maybe they just kind of need a temporary temporary seventh guy there. And then when Oruarie is healthy, I would I would assume Mike Ford and D Virgin are the two people that are lowest on the totem pole there. And D Virgin is a big special teams guy, so he might stick around. Mike Ford is a guy that's really been inconsistent all training camp, but had a really strong fourth preseason game. And I think he might've won himself a spot there. Yeah. And speaking of, you mentioned wide receivers a little early, Jeremy, I want to look at the receiving core. Take the Lions are at 52 right now. As of the time of this recording, they just released Logan Thomas, I believe. So they did, but they also signed a running back. So they're back up to, to 53 at the moment. So who's the running back they signed? I'm pulling, I'm trying to pull that up right now. It's a uh, JD McKissick. Okay. Um, uh, a pass catching guy, really speedy guy. He has experience with Daryl Bevel in Seattle. Um, so that technically a, makes he's an interesting. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because he, in a lot of ways he's a, he's a like he's like Ty Johnson, maybe not quite as fast. So, um, I'm, I'm, it was a curious move to me. I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent behind it, but he's he's also a guy that could potentially be in the uh, the kick and punt return race. It's curious to me because we're there, we're only carrying T.J. Hawkinson right now. We're only looking at. The Lions carrying TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James right now as their tight ends, yes. which in- implies that Hawkinson is going to see an, a staggering workload come the regular season, which I'm not sure if that's right for a uh, for a rookie tight He's end. Overall pick, I know, though, I know, I mean, but I'm just saying like I, I like at some point there there does need to be kind of some workload management. Maybe that's what Jesse James is there for. But if there is an injury at the tight end position, you do have to kind of go scrambling a little bit. And yeah. that's where we have Isaac Nada, who's on the practice squad, so that's good. Yeah, Nada sure. is on the practice squad. He he did clear waivers there. I, I have to imagine there's a move coming, and, and it'll probably happen by the time this is released, and we'll all look like fools. But, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, bringing Isaac Nada back or promoting him to the regular squad is one of those options. Um, some people are throwing it out there that maybe they, they bring back Logan Thomas because that was a really surprise cut that they made on Sunday today when we're recording. Um, he is a veteran, so he isn't subject to waivers. So they could have told him, hey, Logan Thomas, sorry, we're cutting you right now. We're 100% planning on, on signing you back. We just kind of have to do these roster maneuvers. Because Cleveland did the same thing with Greg Robinson today. They Reports are out there that they, they cut their starting left tackle, but told him, hey, we're signing you back. Chill out. Don't worry about it. So maybe that's what's going on with uh, – with uh, Logan Thomas, because I, I don't think there's any chance they go into week one with just two tight ends, especially this team that's going 12 personnel at least like 20% this year. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to look at any other surprises here, but it's it's who we have right now that is what it is. I'm sorry. It's, it's getting really hot here, so that's probably not a very coherent <laughs> sentence. Wow. <laughs> Wow, well, uh, it, the, think... the valley's really hot in, in <laughs> September. Like uh, anyway, the running backs, the running backs are set. I like what they have right here: Johnson, Anderson, Johnson, Bodden, the fullback. The fullback survives another year with the Detroit Lions in 2019. The position I thought is very much soon for the waste bin. But 
the lions retain Bodden. They uh, they have retained their fetish for the fullback. But that's not much of a story here. Any other big stories, Hamza? Uh, any other positions you want to bring up here? Uh, I mean, Ryan Santoso is my specialty. <laughs> that was no surprise oh, there. He's uh, RIP. I mean, he's got quite the cannon leg, but lacks the consistency. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best. Maybe some more technical work will bring him a real opportunity with another team in the future, but I don't see him unseating Sam Martin, and I definitely see Sam Martin having a very big year. I've been adamant about that all offseason. That actually brings me to another storyline, Jeremy, that we actually had, not to you know derail us completely with special teams talk, but I did find it fascinating watching Sam Martin's contract get reworked this week. Uh, you know, Sam Martin, you know, punter, the lions have reworked his contract. They have turned 2020 into a year that can be voided. They don't owe him any money, uh, in that year. If they want to cut him, his salary in 2019 has dropped 7 million, uh, point, uh, $700,000 from 2.4 million to 1.7. So we're waiting to see more of the contract details. But right now, it looks kind of like that Lions went to Sam Martin, told him to take a pay cut or else he might get cut. So what's your take on the situation? I I think, um, who was it? Dave Burkett, possibly someone on Twitter pointed out that the benefit of this is that even though Martin takes a pay cut, um, it's a win-win for both sides. If, If Martin sucks this year, the Lions can cut ties with low risk. If he does really well, then Martin gets paid immediately. And uh, I think that's both sides had an upside in reworking the contract. And I, I mean, again, I think Martin's in for a big year if he's confident in himself and there's no reason not to take that opportunity. I I strongly disagree. If only because in this league, anything can really happen. Injuries can strike at any time. You take the money that you can get right now. It's very surprising to see a guy suddenly try to do a uh, prove me contract in an in an environment that is pretty is pretty much preparing for a CBA fight, and I know from people I've talked to in the PA like that you want to start saving up money for what's going to be coming down the pike. So I'm I I don't like this move for from Martin's perspective, but you know what? Some guys, in spite of all logic, want to do those those prove prove myself deals and that seems to be the case and at the end of the day we're talking about a punter but i don't think that the difference of like 0.7 million and avoided 2020 i mean may uh, you could probably work something else out that was a little better for for martin but i don't know what the lions will do with that 700,000 but you know that's what it is right now i'm not i'm not a fan of it though but mm. let him live his own life all right Final thoughts here, and then I want to move on to season predictions. Uh, how do you guys I, feel about the strength of this roster overall? It's it's okay. It's it's a little bit underwhelming from what I was hoping. The the one thing that I guess surprised me was that they kept three undrafted rookies on the team. Um, TJ Moore, uh, Bo Benshaw, who... Personally, I don't think he earned a roster spot. The, I mean, we, we, we've talked all, all preseason about how weak the offensive line depth is on this team. And the fact that they kept Bo Benshaw is just kind of proof that they just needed bodies out there. And I know everyone was hoping they'd grab like a, a, another team's, you know, cut player, but 
offensive linemen are a rare commodity in this league, and there's not a lot of good guys there out on the waiver wire or free agency or anything like that. And so it's it's a little bit surprising. You know, they, they, they did cut a couple draft picks to P.J. Johnson, who also did not make it to the practice squad. And then Isaac Nauta, as we mentioned, did make it to the practice squad. And then who's the third practice or undrafted rookie I'm forgetting right now? Uh, I don't remember, but overall, I, I think offensive line depth is, is rough. I think linebacker depth is rough right now, um, pending injuries over there. Uh, secondary looks okay, but other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with this roster. I still think it's a lot better than it was last year. I will. Yeah. I will. I'm with Jeremy on this one, and I think, um, I mean – objectively maybe a solid six out of 10 roster subjectively I'd give it a good eight out of 10. What I see out of this is that even though these aren't like the most athletic players, the best top notch players, um, I do think that they're tailored towards um, what Matt Patricia wants and what Daryl Bevel want, especially on defense. Um, I do have concerns like Jeremy said about the depth and the offensive line, but at the same time, I think that's something that we can see coming. I wrote in my predictions, um, that are going to be up later this week. I don't want to turn the page just yet, Jeremy, but um, I said that there are three unreplaceable, irreplaceable guys on this roster at Stafford, Slay, and Snacks. And if those three stay healthy, then I think that the Lions have a serious shot at the playoffs. And uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's rough, but um, I mean, Darren Davis and Jelani Tobai will, will hold down the front of the linebackers well enough. If one of those two guys goes down, maybe we're in trouble, but I don't know. It's uh, it's good on the surface, but depth is a struggle. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to kind of shift. We're already shifting towards preview, so I'm going to want to take the break here, get a little extra something to drink, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the season preview. We got mailbag along the way, too, and later this week, we have a special guest coming up. I will tell you who that is next here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, pridedetroit.com. You know where to find us, buddy. Pride to Detroit on Twitter, Pride to Detroit on Facebook. You know, I, I say it every time. I, re, I reiterate. Let's see if I can say iTunes not twice. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart. I think, Jeremy, you got thrown out because I said iHeart there last time. You thought well, I said iTunes. I just, no, I thought I, Apple Podcasts and iTunes was essentially the same thing. Is that not true? It might be, but some people <laughs> still look for the iTunes brand. So, there you, just, go. you know. It's what it is. You should also be start like part of this, you know, rolling intro 
should should include our Twitch channel. Yeah, find us on Twitch and Discord as well. We'll get right, out the Discord link. You can yeah. actually go to Twitch to twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. You can find us on there. We do regular Q&As, fireside chats when games happen. I think we're doing some game recaps on there as well, Jeremy. It kind of takes the place of our old Facebook Live. Uh, Madden Sims for each week will be hosted there as well. And I think once my life starts to settle down a bit, I will be doing some other Madden gameplay on there. So you can watch me play as the Detroit Lions while taking questions about the Detroit Lions. It's everything you, you ever wanted, folks. And sometimes we do have special guests on there. Like I know Jeremy was playing video games with Graham Glasgow about a month back. Sure. A couple times. A couple times. And usually a lot of those are, are still on there as recordings. So you can go back and watch a lot of that and get some of the questions out of Graham Glasgow. Yep. All right. Well, let's move into predictions. Oh, before I do, sorry, one more piece of pod of POD cast business. As I said, there is a guest coming up this podcast. We don't want this podcast to be too long for you. So what we're doing is this podcast is coming out Monday morning. Stay tuned tomorrow morning. It will be released. We have a, I did an interview, did about half an hour, 25 minutes with Old-timer Bernie Frado, Bernie Frado, host of the Saturday edition of Straight Out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio, uh, to bring you the Vegas truth and nothing but the Vegas truth. However, Bernie is also a longtime veteran of the Detroit scene. Uh, he spent about 15 years covering the Detroit Lions for various outlets. He was the post-game he was a post-game host for the Detroit Lions on 97.1 from 2003 to 2008. So he's kind of been around the bend. He's seen quite a bit with the Lions. So he's there to talk about some of that history. And also... He saw the rough years. He saw the rough <laughs> stuff. He he literally, he literally from, from his words, came in when Barry Sanders retired to and left when they went 0-16. But he keeps contacts in Detroit. And we're also talking about Vegas' outlook on the Detroit Lions. We'll give you lines there for that, you know, numbers for uh, win totals and everything else. So we're, and I think we did a little bit of preview on the Cardinals game from a Vegas perspective on there as well. So it was very inter interesting, it was very insightful. Bernie likes trends, and you can find that on our feeds probably Tuesday morning. Now let's open up and talk about the Detroit Lions 2019 uh, campaign, which... I've seen some of the previews already and I find it wild that it is swinging around as much as, as it is. And I think a lot of that is, is couched in one in one central belief, Jeremy, do you, or do you not believe that Patricia will be able to grow as a head coach and not only simply grow, but grow by the difference of, almost five wins to his total. And to that, you have to look at the roster. You have to look at Daryl Bevel picking up, picked up as the offensive coordinator, and you have to do the calculus in your head. And you have to say, is this team actually five wins better than when it was in 2019? Now we've seen a lot of teams in the NFL kind of turn from first to worse all across the league. We've seen that happen with 
the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if they went or in the, you know, the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know if I would say they went first to wor- uh, worst to first, but we did see that a few changes were all that were needed to really suddenly turn them into deep playoff running teams. And you have to ask yourself, do you see that the same scenario with the Detroit Lions or do you not? And if you don't, then the question is, what are the Lions right now? It's going to be a competitive NFC North. I am not as high up on the Packers as other people. However, I think the Vikings are going to be very strong this year. And the Bears, it's a matter of how much regression you believe in, but their roster still looks very impressive on paper. So, Jeremy, before I give out my own thoughts on the team, just tell me where you're standing right now and how you're doing the calculus in your head. Well, in, in terms of kind of your original question of, of is this a team capable of going worse to first, I think the answer is probably yes. Um, five wins is is a big improvement. You know, if the lines go from six and ten to eleven and five, that's that's probably more than I'd be expecting. But you look at the signs and, and a team goes worse to first almost every year. I think it's happened every year but one since two thousand three or two thousand six or something like that. Um, and you look at the signs. So like last year this team didn't create a lot of turnovers. Turnovers tend to be a very random occurrence, so maybe they regress towards the mean this year. You look at the roster. It is a lot better than it was last year, especially defensively, and we saw a little bit of signs of defensive improvement towards the end of last year. You throw in a couple guys that they added this year, especially on the defensive front. I think we're going to see major defensive improvements this year. Are they going to be a top-five defense? Eh, probably not. Top-10, I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. Offensively, we don't know yet. Uh, I, I would argue the team is about equal in talent to the, where they were last year. Um, offensive line is obviously a big question there. Um, Frank Ragnow's health at the beginning of the year is a, is a big factor. Um, but then you look at, you kind of said, as you have to look inside the division, and it's a really competitive division. It's, it's hard to point right now to the clear leader. And when anyone from the outside looks at the, this division, they're like, ooh, we got three contenders in the Lions. Personally, I think it's a lot closer than than they're suggesting, but I can also see it that direction. I mean, you, you look at the Packers. Obviously, they didn't have a very good year last year, but Aaron Rodgers keeps them p- competitive no matter what. The Vikings were also kind of so-so last year, but they dealt with a ton of injuries last year, and they're basically returning all their guys healthy this year, despite the fact that it seemed like they had no cap room to save everybody. They somehow did for most most of the roster. And then, you know, what do you, what can you say about the Bears? They they had a, what, 12-4 and four season last year? Um, they're, they're definitely going to be a competitor again this year. So are the Lions capable of, you know, beating all those odds and, and winning their first division in over 25 years? I think the answer is yes. Is it likely? I mean, I wouldn't put money on it. Well, that's, that's the, the thing. Question. Like, I don't, I don't want to say, hey, it's within the realm of possibility. Okay, what's the possibility? Uh, like 10%. Like I don't want to do that. I want to. I. I. I can't go and like live on that kind of small hope. Listen, for me, when I look, I mean, we've talked about this before, Jeremy. When it comes to the Detroit Lions' schedule, this is a rough sledding to start the year. Uh, you're on the road with the Cardinals, and as much injuries as there have been for the Cardinals, as bad as their offensive line is, the f- the fact is we don't know what the Cardinals are. We don't know how much the of an air raid offense is installed with the with the Arizona Cardinals. I believe we have seen nothing but vanilla from them in the preseason. So I don't know how how effective it will be even in the NFL. But what I'm saying is that the Lions face a completely unknown offense in its week one sledding. 
against a quarterback in Kyler Murray who you have no clue how good he is going to be. And then immediately from there, it's a sled against almost like every team is a is either went to the playoffs last year or will be a playoff contender, be it home against the Chargers, on the road against the Eagles, playing the, you know, insurmountable Chiefs, going to Lambeau to play the Packers, hosting the Vikings. It's not until the end of October where you start to play teams where I feel confident taking the Lions at all in being a favorite right now, and that's against the Giants and the Raiders before, once again, it picks up again with the Bears and the Cowboys. We, we've talked about this schedule before on paper, and it would be it would be shocking to see the Lions do have a winning record by the time they reach the Giants. And history has shown us that, you know, if you start out with this kind of a poor record as what I'm surmounting, that you go to the playoffs. Like just history shows that that's not the case. The Lions would have to make a complete turnaround on their on their identity. And I know they picked up Daryl Bevel and I know they. You know, you're hoping that Carryon Johnson takes a step forward. I know that TJ Hawkinson changes the offense, but I don't see I, I don't I can't say that you are going to almost double your win total or even make it to ten wins with this schedule right now. And there are still what we have from the Lions is a team with clear strengths and clear weaknesses. And I think the problem is is that we see clear weaknesses get exploited quite often in this NFL because people watch a lot of tape and they and they pick out what it is. And what it comes to the Lions is the defensive backfield starts to ha- starts to have a few holes in it. And when it comes to Lions on offense, uh, the offensive line is still a great unknown quality. We didn't really talk about it too much on looking at the roster. They are carrying nine linemen and you hope that you hope that Frank Ragnow is healthy and ready to go, but all it would take is one injury along that line and it starts to play like dominoes and you're not sure where the relief comes from. I don't know if it's, you know, Joe Dahl or Kenny Wiggins or Odea Bushi is maybe ready to go, but, you know, you start to break that down and then you have to start worrying about Stafford's health. If he starts getting hurt, I'm a hit a little hard. You have to worry. I talked about the tight end depth last last segment as well. Uh, you just hope Kenny Galladay can take a step forward as well. Maybe Damian, Danny Amendola, Damian Amendola has something <laughs> still in the tank. There's a lot of question marks for this team, and I can't sit here and say on September 1st that all of those questions are like Daniel Bryan. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe I just haven't had enough of the Kool-Aid just yet, but I, I am not looking at this team and predicting this team is going to go anywhere. I think they will finish close to their win total last year. And Lions then have to face some hard questions as to what are they as far as the Matt Patricia era? Well, that got real dark real quick. Um, the reason you haven't had any Kool-Aid is because I drank all of it. Um, I'm not going I, to I know. Spoiler, uh, spoiler alerts. Um, no, no, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to say what the win total is you sent out, Hamza. But let's just say this. Jeremy sent us the email for us all to get in our, our, se- our uh, season predictions. And Hamza was the guy who hit reply all. It was on accident. I thought I was replying to Jeremy. You're the reply but, all uh, guy. Just own it. I, 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 it was on accident. I, I hit reply all. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But anyways, I've been drinking the Kool Aid. I have double digit win totals. Won't specify how much. Um, 
but I mean, you're right. And you can't count on all those things happening. I don't think you have to count on all those things happening. Um, I think we, we focus too much on striving for the perfect roster and the perfect schedule and the perfect outcomes. And that's not necessary. It's just a matter of things falling in the right way. And 16 games is a small sample size. I think things fall the lion's way this year. I think there's enough, I think little things add up and a little improvements that have been made along the, the defensive line and with the linebackers and things like that will make a very big difference on the defense. And I, I feel like the Lions have much more semblance of identity. And like you said, that comes with good and bad because they have um, clear strengths and clear weaknesses. But I think their commitment and investment to fulfilling their, their vision is going to pan out pretty well this year. And I think that one of the biggest um, weak points when making predictions for the Lions team is people look at the schedule and we've got what the, the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Chargers and um, I think the Chargers, but lots of really tough teams early on in the season. And I feel like we say that at least every other season. Oh, look at this brutal stretch that we have. There's no way we come out with one or two wins. If we get two wins, it'll be lucky. But I think you, we say that pretty frequently, and a lot of the times it ends up being completely the opposite of what we expect. There's natural regression in the NFL, and you never know how a team's going to look. Um, I mean, and just the way a bad team can become a good team, a good team can become a bad team. And I really do have faith in the Lions this year. Unfortunately, I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, I, I was going to say, gonna like, I, I want to share your enthusiasm, Hamza, but there has never been a year in the Lions' history, in recent history, where things have simply broken their way. Except for maybe twenty, except for many twenty, maybe twenty sixteen, and even then, the Lions didn't win a playoff game or the division. The past does not dictate the future. No, but it is a good it is a good indicator of where we can see things going, especially since some of those guys are still here. Maybe, but like that's all we have to really go on is past trends. We can't just sit here and and it's a new coaching staff from outside of last year. I mean, it's a coaching staff that won six and ten last year. Yes, we have one year. We have 16 games of sample size. That's not enough. I know, and but me, also, there are signs that Matt Patricia has changed a little bit. He's certainly changed in his uh, uh, way in he's dealing with the media. He's on time to his meetings. He's he's certainly a little more playful. I don't, he's doing I don't the think bare that necessarily minimum. turns... I don't know if that turns into more wins or not, but it, it's signs that he's learned from his his rookie coaching season. And yeah, to and me, I, I'm with Hamza. I am throwing out the schedule at this point because we don't know shit. Pardon my French. Uh, I just look. I just look at the roster. I looked at the roster last year. This team won six games last year, and they weren't lucky wins. They were they were deserved wins. They didn't scoop by with the game that they stole. They didn't steal any games last year, which is why I think they have potential to regress to the mean and, and maybe steal a couple games in which they shouldn't win. Or and, and and it just to me, it all comes back to the roster. And you look defensively; it's so much better from front to back. Linebackers are improved. The defensive line is improved. The secondary is improved. They 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 signed some high profile guys that come with pretty big pedigrees, which is hard to find in free agency, especially when they're all as young as they are. So does it all click in the first year where I think Matt Patricia has the kind of guys he wants across the board? I don't know, but I think it's definitely looking a lot brighter than it was last year. And last year wasn't nearly as bad as I think people are making it out to be. So if the Lions can I mean, I think if you play the 2018 season over and over and over again, maybe they average it six and a half, seven wins. Now I think this team, if if you were to average this team as it is over 20, 30, 100 seasons played, I think 
we're talking eight, nine, ten. Eight and nine is not to, not enough to win this division, or really to no. or really to inspire any. I don't even think ten's enough to really inspire confidence to go anywhere in the playoffs. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's your goal. Like we've oh, seen sure. enough teams. Like I, I think the question is: Is the goal still just to win a playoff game and be contented? Like I mean, this I mean, year. I, I mean, I don't know. If you're I, think, I think only the. Sorry, go ahead. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. If you're Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn right now, I. I don't think your goal is to win a Super Bowl this season. I think your goal is make the playoffs, perhaps win a playoff game. I'd love to see that. Because if you look at Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, like they're on a short leash and they're tied to one another. I think if this season you have like seven or less wins, perhaps even eight, then they're for sure out of there. And I think if right now is just survival, showing that you can get the job done. Because if, if they go out and win 11, 12 games this year, win a home playoff game, they could win four games next year and they're not getting fired. I mean, they won a home playoff game. Like, I think that's their priority right now. And I think I totally agree with Jeremy. I couldn't have said it better um, with what you said about the roster. I mean, they the defensive identity is the same exact thing that they had last year where they want to stop the run first press man coverage but the personnel is significantly better I mean at this point last season we were looking at who like Sylvester Williams to be our run suffer in the middle I mean now we have like one of the most menacing defensive lines in the NFL and so I think that I, even though the philosophy hasn't changed it will be implemented in a much better manner so I'm not ready yeah, to buy that they're the most menacing defensive line in the NFL. I know they've got some decent well, talent, but yeah. honestly, like on on a national scale, I don't think Trey Flowers again completely changes the meta for you. I know they were Mike Daniels. I still not there, man. Still not there. You're you're betting on Mike Daniels to have a 2017 and not a 2018. You that's a big question mark, man. That's a big question mark, especially when you're starting to look at a guy starting to have his numbers slide down. You you can't just sit there and say, oh, yeah, they're going to go up. Not every stock goes up. Sometimes you have to write a guy off. Like Mike this, Daniels has not had a bad year in his career yes, outside of injuries. Yes, he, he hasn't. Has. Yes, he has. No. Yes, he has. We could go back and look up the PFF grades, but his PFF grade was not great in 2018. I am, I'm just not there, man. And there is little that can inspire confidence. The, I think the question is about if you're looking forward and say, does a playoff win guarantee a long term for Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia? I'm not there either because right now this team is completely dependent on Matt Stafford for its identity, for its success. Uh, I don't think Stafford is a guy you win because of, but he is still a linchpin that keeps that offense competitive and without having to worry about a lot of unknowns right now if you were to bring in a different quarterback. And the truth is, for Stafford, he's not getting any younger. And the further we go along, the further 2016 is in the rearview mirror, which was the one year where I think like you could rely on Stafford to be that playmaker. And he has a lot on his plate right now. We have to even see if he's working through injuries. And oh, come on. No, I'm absolutely serious. I'm absolutely serious. I'm not saying no he's injured right now, but I'm Stafford just saying. There's no I just sign. want it out there. There's absolutely no sign that Matthew Stafford is dealing with an injury right now because I don't know why that's continuing to get floated around there. He's not injured. People people he talk hasn't around there all of training camp. Okay, cool. No, I'm just saying people people talk around there, man. I have my own sources on this. Like I'm not saying he's injured, but his health is a concern, especially if we're talking about an offensive line that is not going to be completely set because the, the key to getting to this, uh, you know, the key to get to any offense, I should say, but especially when it comes to Lions, is going to sack the quarterback. 
Well, I'll agree with you there. Like, offensive line to me is kind of the linchpin of this entire team right now, and I'm not sure which way it's going to go. You could certainly argue that it's worse off than it was last year, and that's a horrible truth to face because they weren't good last year. You can kind of drink the Kool-Aid and think Frank Ragnow's moved to center, suddenly fixes everything, and Graham Glasgow's better at right guard than say, he is if at center. Ragnow is healthy, it, if Ragnow is healthy, it does, it does like, because you know me, I believe in the center. I believe the center is very sure. important. The center yep. must hold. However, um, I'm not sold on some of the, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on some of the guards right now is the problem. And all I, it would I take is Ragnow's, right yeah, but I think all it would take is Ragnow's injury from the preseason to get a little more exacerbated. Yes. And then again, all that, that's, that's the weak, that's your weak chain. And, Chains break well, with yeah, a weak and, link, and it's whoever's at left guard, which is still not a hundred percent clear. We're pretty sure we're pretty sure it's Joe Dahl at this point, but Kenny Wiggins. I mean, it could be Kenny Wiggins, and and the fact that we don't know that for sure probably should be a little bit concerning. But uh, and and Joe Dahl's whether Joe Dahl is a starting guard in this league is still very much a question. He hasn't really ever been one for a long term season. And and then yeah, if if anything happens to really anyone in that starting five, lines could be in some serious trouble, especially at the offensive tackle positions. Because while there's still plenty of questions about Taylor Decker and Rick Wagner, there are a million more questions about the guys behind him. Because Tyrell Crosby had a, a, a god awful preseason, still probably recovering a little bit from the injury, and there's really nobody else unless you want Kenny Wiggins back there, who's a converted guard. So uh, the offensive line is linchpin and a house of cards right now. So yes, yeah, I, I there there should be a, a, a very fair amount of skeptics skepticism on offense. Defensively, though, I'm feeling pretty good. I I'm I'm still have some questions when it comes to the back seven. I think again the defensive line. I'm not going to worry there. Uh, I want to see the linebackers improved this year, and I need to see someone else step up opposite Darius Slay. That's what it comes down to for me when looking at that backfield. Uh, the only other thing I would say is my big question that needs to be answered is look. We can all talk about the Lions on paper, the the <laughs> caricatures that they are run first or whatever it was that was stated when Patricia first came in. I think Daryl Bevel, the question is, does he move you towards a more balanced offense? I think that question, that answer is yes. You are hoping that Carrion Johnson has a good sophomore year. Uh, as always, trends do not always head up. I think Carrion Johnson, for the resources put into him, and for his particular talent, that is a que- that is a yes. It, that stock will rise. That stonk will rise. I'm sorry, I have to use a meme. And then you just hope that the wide receivers, after the uh, culling that the Lions faced last year, is suddenly going to be good enough. I don't believe in Danny Amendola. I think he, that is an that is an old question right there, and not something that really moves the needle. So that leaves you with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. And I know Kenny Galladay has a lot of hype, and he's had a lot of hype for a while. And honestly, at this point, we just need to see some more of that. And then we need to see TJ Hawkinson materialize on the field as a rookie. The Lions have put a lot of, you know, as you point out, Jeremy, number eight overall. That comes with a lot of expectations. And I think you have to see some of those being met. And you have to see some of that translating to on-the-field success. So... I don't know. The Jim Bob Cooter era was such a weird era because it got off to such a hot start and then immediately evaporated. Like, I mean, not just and and not only just 2015 when he first came in, but 2016, too. And then we just had these two years of backslide. And I think the question is, was it scheme or was it talent? 
that really doomed Jim Bob Cooter at the end. And Daryl Bevel, for better or worse, comes in with some questions of his own. And I know that, I mean, the guy spent a year away from the league, and I know that's not indicative of much, but I, I think it is a question of why did he not get picked up by too many other people? Sometimes it just happens in the NFL, though. But we're at 25 minutes. I'm, I know I've chewed up a lot of time. Thank you for letting me rant. Uh, we're not going to give out win totals here, right? Jeremy, you want to save that for an article? Yeah, you guys are going to have to wait till Friday. Can we just Friday say real quick, real quick, Lions make the playoff, yes, no? Yes. Wait till Friday. All right, wait till Friday, he says. Hamza says, yes, I will hold my peace because the fearless leader has cowed me in <laughs> submission. He has cowed my he has cowed my hopelessness into being contained for a little bit. Let's take a break here. Let's get to the mailbag to get to your questions. Hashtag ask POD every week. You can drop it off anytime on Twitter and we will take your question the next po- podcast if possible. And hey, guess what? The weirder the better. This is where this is the segment three is coming up. That's where we let our hair down. We have some fun. We've been talking lions a long time here. If you still want more of your fill, Guess what? There's another episode coming next week. Uh, First Bite's going to be coming back. We have the Bernie Frado episode here this week as well. We have a lot of times to talk about this stuff, but sports are meant to be fun. And we're going to have some fun in the mailbag right next. And yes, there will be some Lions questions too. Stick around. PODcast. Season's here. here and PODcast enters the home stretch. This is the final off-season PODcast. I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. time hashtag ask pod as always to get your questions in we'll take anything you throw at us provided that it makes us giggle or it's something that we haven't covered in this podcast so far when it comes to questions about the lions Uh, a bit of a light one right now i know we kind of got out a little late i think jeremy come the season mailbag might actually take a back seat we might do some fun games for uh segment three just because we're running around like chickens without heads on Sundays and I work overnights and I get, and I'm already trying to figure out my sleep cycle so I can watch the entire lions game. So this is going to be, this is going to be fun. We might, I know I've already talked with den mother about, uh, maybe doing like a TV show theme list cast. And I already had, uh, an incident involving <laughs> TV themes this week. So I, I, yeah, feel I, like, mean, I feel like that's going to be in our cards in, in order to get this podcast to you guys. Monday morning after a game, which I know is probably when you all want to listen to it, we kind of have to scramble and, and throw together a podcast kind of hastily. Um, it's kind of what we do all season, anyways. But uh, we'll, we instant might have to reactions. Mail back no, I think instant reactions are yeah. the best reactions. Your your yeah. first guts reaction is the best one to go with. And I think yeah, the problem I I've never liked doing it like on Monday anyway because what happens is, and it happened with with us, Jeremy, on that preseason game one reaction too is that it had time to settle in our stomachs and all of a sudden you know what happens is the kool-aid likes to settle in the gut so sometimes it's that sometimes it's the opposite though like sometimes 
you're a little overly angry. You're a little overhyped after a game. So sometimes well, like think 24 the, think hours the is, is nice. Perfect. The raw is perfect for our medium. It's where well, I want to be in media yeah, res. That's, that's what we'll be given. We, we always give it to y'all raw. Pause. Wow, major pause. All right, let's start here. Hamza had to step away. Um, he's a big old fancy RA this year, uh, outing his age there. But he had to step away, so it's just me and Jeremy for this mailbag here. Uh, the truth is, he started throwing around. He started throwing around furniture when I told him what my win total was for the Lions. Yeah, so he stormed out. Yeah, he's mad. He's mad. We got drama. No, no <laughs> more drama. No, no more drama. All right. I can't even ma- imagine Hamza mad. Like he's just I haven't he's seen such it yet. a smiley person. Well, you know what? If you keep claiming yourself as the pun god, he might get mad. I hey, I've never used that term. I am the beat writer pun god. That's too much. N. E. Shaw asking us, what is the best fresh fruit and cereal combination? Ooh. Ooh, interesting. I have there's only one answer for this, but go on. Tell me tell me all the reasons why you're wrong. I will okay. I have the the fruit is raspberries. People don't utilize raspberries in cereal enough. I think like maybe, maybe like a frosted flakes and raspberries. That sounds really good to me right now. Okay, you're wrong. I'm gonna tell you why. The answer is, it's. I'm sorry, I lost track. Could you please rephrase that? I want to get rid of this phone. I kind of want to keep that in. I, I don't know how. Okay, yeah, we are keeping that in. I don't you know just, what happened. I did not pull up my Google. your own Siri? No, no, that was Google Assistant or whatever. I don't even know how that popped up. I didn't even know what I said for that. I didn't touch the phone. This phone is geriatric. Please, someone pay me money so I can get a new phone. Um, this All thing is, is awful. Whatever take, whatever take is coming is so bad that Google had to interrupt you. And say, I'm sorry. No, the answer is strawberries. You can with do what, that with what? with bra- you can do that with bran flakes. You can do that with uh, sure. one of those like you know special K, or you can do it with I was going to say Cheerios or Honey Nut Cheerios, mm-hmm. but okay. strawberries. Uh, strawberries are already the best fruit, except for maybe like a really good grapefruit oh or a mango. Oh but I'm not throwing those in with my cereal. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. mango would go in with cereal, but mango is more of a yogurt fruit, I think. Uh, no, strawberries are the best to go in cereal. I will not take any calls on this matter. Jeremy, you are a heathen, and we will fight. Strawberry, I love, this is coming from a guy who loves strawberries. Raspberries are a better version of strawberries. No. They are. Absolutely not. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Let's take a question, question from Big Kev, Lions related. Let's assume the Lions start 2-0, playing the cards and an L.A. team facing injuries and holdouts. Uh, I don't, by the way, I don't think the Melvin Gordon holdout is going to last much longer. If it does, uh, did, it, did it resolve while we were doing this or earlier? No, but the, the Chargers came out and said they are not going to go to the negotiating table anymore during Wonderful. the regular season. Yeah. So no. either Melvin Gordon is going to roll over or they're or he's not going to play at this point. Yeah, I'm looking up their roster right now. I think they're I mean they're running with a core right now, I believe. I'm I'm hoping ESPN has this up to date. I'm not just gonna get screwed reading this. Uh, Austin <laughs> Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Troy Maine Pope. What I mean, that that's a roster like I mean, Gordon's had a couple of good years, but I think, you know, Phillip Rivers still runs that offense. And, you know, hey, we'll they've see. got our favorite tight end in the world over there. <laughs> Top 10, baby. I mean, they, I mean, 
No, I mean, their, their passing offense is legitimately good. Like, they've got Hunter Henry, and they've got Keenan Allen. Like, you've got good uh, weapons in, in, in uh, I, would, I should say Carson, the Carson Chargers. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, I, I, think, I think assuming 2-0 against the Chargers, not as, not as easy as you think, but just for, just for the sure. sake of this, I want to Play get along. to, yeah, yeah. So he wants, give me a percentage chance that they head into the bye at three and one so basically if they're two and oh what's the chances that they beat at least one of the eagles in the in the chiefs eagles chiefs and uh one more that's it yeah yeah oh yeah no i can count i can count yeah (laughs) honestly i i still don't have a good chance on that because you have to play in philadelphia which is always a rough place i i don't know what we have in philadelphia yet to be honest like yeah i I think carson carson wentz is your biggest not not to go the philadelphia pop culture route but carson wentz wild card (laughs) yeah both i mean it's hard for me to look at that chiefs game be like okay the lions have got that It, it is at home so there, there is a benefit there, and, and Arrowhead is a, is a hell of a place to play. So that's a big edge in, in the Lions' favor. But I need, I need to see this defense be. I, this is, I guess, the, the Chargers are probably going to be the first test. So if, if the Lions are good enough to stop the Chargers' offense, it gives me hope that they have a chance against the, the Chiefs. But I really think that the more winnable game there is, is Philly, even if it is on the road, because like you said, they're just kind of a wild card team at this point. Because the NFC East is always a wild card with every one of those teams. It's always we insane. Never know it's be it's good. always stupid. However, like the Philadelphia Eagles, like I don't like a team with the kind of talent they had on their roster. I don't think they can stay away from the playoffs for too long. Like we'll I see. think I think I, I, I have the Eagles winning the NFC East actually. And in, in, if we did a division by division, I would probably say your NFC winner is the Philadelphia Eagles over the Dallas Cowboys. I'm. I, I would not even make a prediction on the NFC East. It's it's a fool's errand. I would rather twist your arm, Jeremy. What you got? Who, nope. Who's winning? I'm not the doing East? it. Who's winning? I'm not it? doing it. I'm going to answer on, the original. On, stake question out your claim. Stake out your claim. And say there's a forty percent chance the lines go three and one if they start two and zero. Oh. We should give like full. You know what? We've got time in this mailbag. Near the end, we will give out full uh, division predictions. Except, Except for the for NFC North, which is in written <laughs> format. So. I'm not doing the East either. You can't make me. I can. I will. Watch me. All right. Uh, Nick Bianchi. Should the Dandelions pick Justin Herbert with a number one pick this April? Okay. Is, is that just your burner account, Chris? No. I would choose a much better name than Justin Bianchi. Uh, I don't know. Oregon kind of choked it away last yesterday. Uh, shout out Bo Nix and Auburn. <laughs> Uh, coming back and saving grace for the SEC, which took it on the chin yesterday. Losing, like, w- Missouri lost to Wyoming, yo. That wasn't even the worst loss. Georgia State put it on Tennessee. Georgia Tennessee. freaking State put it on Tennessee. Like, I, I know in the SEC all that matters is Georgia and Alabama, but you start looking down the depths. Like, I know Florida won, but they really didn't want to win that game. And Kentucky had to struggle with Toledo. Memphis uh, won over Ole Miss. They, they Memphis got a safety in that game, too. And then South Carolina led up 15 points in the fourth quarter to uh, a, a Mac Brown-led North Carolina. Like, I... I don't know if, I mean, I'm not going to sit here in Big Ten country and say the SEC is overrated because, look. Um, They're dead, dude. They're done. 
let's you want to talk about the week that the uh big 10 had you want to talk about purdue and northwestern oh those, those powerhouses no purdue was supposed to have a good year i don't i don't care i don't care about purdue of course you don't hey you know what you guys let up 21 points to middle tennessee I saw I saw what happened oh, no. when Middle Tennessee I'm went scared. up in the first quarter against Michigan. I saw the fear, the latent fear and panic out there. Not for me. No, but what do you? Uh, so just, I mean, I know you probably don't want to even think about scouting for the 2020 class already. That's not your style. Correct. But, I mean, do you have it? <laughs> did you watch the Oregon Auburn game? Do you have any thoughts on no. Justin Herbert? Nope. Nope. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we can't answer this I, question. Well, here's here's how I'll answer the question. Because first of all, the Lions are going to have the number overall pick. Is quarterback an option? Is quarterback on the table in the first couple of rounds next year? I think the answer is yes. It obviously depends on how Matthew Stafford does this year, but we're getting close to that point in Matthew Stafford's contract where it's get out ofable. Get out ofable. It's escapable. <laughs> if that's a term. It's escapable. Um, I. I'm not ready to go that direction, but I think it, it's something that needs to be talked about at some point. Um, I think it's a little bit more likely in in twenty what are we twenty twenty one the twenty twenty one draft. But I mean, look at look what the lines are doing right now. They're they're very clearly searching for a developmental quarterback right now. They they looked at Luis Perez. They traded for bleh, and and they they they're bringing in uh, J- Tyree Jackson. And they were going to try to bring in Kyle Slaughter, but he he signed somewhere else. That would have been a name. Lions, that would have been a real the, name. I mean, it, it's clear to me the Lions are at least looking with a little bit of an eye on the future at quarterback. And that doesn't necessarily mean these guys are going to be in competition with Matthew Stafford. Maybe they're just looking for a developmental backup. But quarterback is certainly something that I think if, if you were a Lions scout right now, I think you would be paying attention to the quarterbacks in the 2020 draft. I, mean, yeah, I do think that's true. Well, to to lean on this, we do have another question from Tube at Chris Joe G1. If the Lions do poorly this season, would you support Stafford and other top players trading trading those players in order to get draft picks? Uh, just setting up on this, I know that uh, I mean the big story this week across the rest of the NFL is watching the Dolphins blatantly tank. I think they have like a combined four first rounders and four second rounders in the next two NFL drafts. Uh, they just, you know, they, they, they shipped away Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil to the Texans who then shipped out to Davian Clowney, who had previously shipped out to Davian Clowney for uh, a bag of peanuts. <laughs> but it's, right. I, I mean, it, I, I'm not saying tanking is coming to the NFL. And I mean, we've seen suck for luck and all the rest. I, I don't know if that's the right way to go, but I do find just the question of what do you do with Stafford after 2020 fascinating. I know that our own John Whitaker posted the idea, posed the idea of trading him. I, 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 John wanted to go a little too far. I think he was talking about midseason. I don't see that happening, but I could see if things do go south. And I mean, I think that also depends too on what happens with Patricia and Bob Quinn. Hey, yep. That was like, the point I was gonna, the point I was going to bring up because you think a a, t, a a coaching and GM pairing that's already on the hot seat after two like if if they struggle this year two disappointing seasons you think their answer to that is hit the restart button it's at your starting quarterback 
that's a good way to have a follow up two bad seasons with the third one. Yeah. And so that's why I think on the other hand, on the other hand, with Quinn, you could say, hey, look, we are, you know, restarting. We do need to find another quarterback. It just could be a matter of plug and play. Give us another year. It could be that kind of negotiation as well, too. But yeah, I think your scenario is more likely. But I think I, I personally don't see Patricia and Quinn. At, I mean, jobs in Detroit aren't exactly long term a lot of the times here either. And I don't think that's changing for the near future. We'll see. I mean, two years, I think, is to me too short for basically any court coach that doesn't go 0-16. Well, we are um, seeing but, we are seeing better luck with quarterbacks out of these drafts. I think honestly, like we we'll can see. talk about quarterbacks at the top of these drafts being crapshoots, Jeremy. But I think if you look at the record of the quarterbacks drafted, there haven't really been that many busts in the past few years. Like because of the convergence of NFL offenses with college offense, there's not as many busts as there used to be. So it's it's especially at the top of the draft in a good class like something that would have, say, a Justin Herbert, or even in 2021 where you'd have Terrence Lawrence and Tua Tavagaloa. This, uh, Tua, Tua, I think, is coming out this year. But like you have better chances drafting you know, first-round quarterbacks than I think you ever have in the, in the past recent history of the NFL. I'm not saying the Lions should do that, but I'm saying like if you want to entertain that possibility, I think that the response of, well, it's a crapshoot, you don't know what you're going to get in the draft – that's less of an argument than ever has been, is my point. My rebuttal? What's that? Two words. Mitchell Trubisky. Listen, I, I don't think he's going to be that great, but I also don't think we've seen the book written on that. Did you know he well, we haven't was like, seen the book written on a lot of these guys. I know, I know. And like, I, I'm not a fan Gosh, of Alan. like Carson Wentz at all, to be honest, but I know people... I think Carson Wentz fails in Philadelphia. That's more of his attitude than, he, than any on-the-field play. From what I understand, he is not the most popular person in that locker room, which is not something you want to do when you are a young quarterback with, a injury-prone, with an injury-prone history. Right. Uh, but look, um, I know Mitchell Trubisky. He is, was, for a while, the Vegas leader when it came to uh, bets to be MVP. Now, I know I think a lot of that is probably just incredibly intoxicated Bears fans, and there are a lot of them, but uh, that 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 does speak to me as like, okay, maybe that has an outside chance. Personally, I think for my season, MVP is still going to be Patrick Mahomes. Everyone thinks that the KC will regress a little bit. I don't, man. I don't. That team scares the gonna, hell out of me, man. only going to regress in week four. Will you stop? No. All right, let me see if we got some more questions, if not, that interests me. Okay, actually, speaking of Vegas, Critical Perspectives gives, gives us some over-unders. Are you ready for these? Sure. Stafford, over-under 400 and... Uh, um, sorry, 4,000... Uh, I hate these. Okay, Stafford, over-under, I can talk, 4,100 yards. Hmm. Man, that's a really good number for him. I'm going to say a little bit over. Okay, uh, let's see here. Kenny Galladay, over under 1,100 yards. I'm going to say under. I feel like people are a little bit too high on Kenny Galladay right now. Yeah, Nothing I think... against him. He's a very talented guy, and he was right around that number. I think he was just under that number last year. But the Lions have more receiving options now. They have tight ends that can catch the ball. They have running backs that can catch the ball. they got the tight ball. ends. they got a, a tight end again, yeah. 
And yes. So- speaking of tight ends, uh, Tom Pelissero is reporting, and I know this is not a live medium, so it's not that interesting, but the lines are, are going to bring back Logan Thomas, which answers our question from earlier. Why do they only have tight end, two tight ends on the roster? Logan Thomas okay. is coming back. Yeah. All right. And speaking of tight ends, then and staying with that Hawkinson over and under five and a half touchdowns. I'm, I'm riding the hawk train, man. I think he's going to kind of buck the trend of slow years for tight ends a little bit. I, I think he's, I mean, five and a half is already a pretty high number for touchdowns, uh, but I'm still going to take the over. Okay. Slay over under four and a half interceptions. Um, under, I think the line, I think other, other corners are going to get targeted a little more, especially I'm, I'm still very concerned about slot corner. The, the one thing on defense that I'm concerned about is their ability to cover slot receivers because man, it was not a great preseason for Justin Coleman. So no, I think I think Slay I think quarterbacks have now learned maybe I should stay away from Darius Slay. So not going to pick up a ton of interceptions. Flowers over and under eight and a half sacks. Give me over. I I think really? this defense set up to to for him to just completely thrive in. I think he's going to hit double digits this year. I just don't see this defense as being like something that really gets after the after the passer. Like even with some of the talent they picked up, I can't. No, I, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. He'll he'll surprise me if he does. Uh, be let's prepare see. to be surprised. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sorry, I'm like really dying here from the heat. Problem when we do these behind the curtain, I have to turn off like the AC and the fan when we do these because otherwise my microphone picks them up. And it is a heat wave in the San Fernando Valley right now. I am dying here. Everything is sticking to me. I need a I need a cold shower. And you can take that out of context all you want. I don't, uh, not a lot of these questions. I'll save the rest of these questions for your uh, your own mailbag, Jeremy, if you are interested. I think a lot of these are stuff we have answered on the podcast or there's stuff about referees, which, I mean, it's a good question. It's just not something I feel like I am uh, equipped to a- answer here. And we've got only like three minutes left before I want to stop the recorder and get that sh- aforementioned shower. So I want to get your winners for each division in the NFL, excluding the NFC North. <sighs> All right. Well, I'm. I'm. Let's just you start right with now, the I'm AFC. Saying, okay. Which Which division you want to go with here? I mean, do we just hand the East to New England yeah, again? Pay, yes. Okay. I mean, they're okay, going to win it by at least five games too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to challenge them? The Jets. The Get Bills. I mean, Josh Allen could it's be surprised. Like, I could see the Bills maybe making the playoffs, but they won't win the division. Here's Here's a fun question. What's going to be the win difference between the Patriots and the Dolphins? Will it be double digits? Uh, I don't think you can express that with a, new, uh, with a Euclidean number. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could see the... I, I don't think we're going to have another 0-16 team like the Browns did just a couple of years ago, but sure. uh, the Dolphins are really pushing for it, man. I feel confident at Fox Sports. I wrote, we do these like season pre, uh, predictions, and I wrote down that the Dolphins will be the worst team in the NFL, while some of the other people are pay, picking like skins or... Uh, I think someone picked the Broncos, but I can't remember. But I feel really good on my on my Finns prediction. I really do. Yeah. Like I wrote that down before they started just selling the house. <laughs> All right, AFC North. This one's tricky. Uh, I know the Vegas win totals. Everyone's kind of smushed together. You got hype for the Browns, but honestly, uh, actually, I can't even do it. I don't even think the Steelers are going to win that division. I think it'll. But I don't feel confident in the Ravens either, and the Bengals can screw off. Um, <laughs> 
This one's actually rough. I was going to say like Ravens and I backed off at the last second. Who do you see taking the AFC North? I, I hate to go with, with the, the mob here, but you look at that Browns roster and it's really good. Yeah. It's and really honestly, good. like I don't think people like people want to slag off Baker Mayfield right now. Cause he is now playing the heel role. I think this is going to be a heel role that catches some heat and keeps going. Actually, sure. you know what? You convinced me. I think I'll take the Browns as well. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes mean, the mob's right. It's hard for me to go against the Steelers, even though I think the roster is a lot less talented than it's been in years past. And I think they're going to absolutely be in contention. Listen, I don't think the Browns are going to run away. I think it. I think Juju Smith Schuster is like he's great. He's great. He's fantastic. He's coming into his own rights. So they're not going to miss AB and Le'Veon Bell as much as people think, but. Honestly, I where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to the Steelers, and I don't think that fire gets put out until Ben Roethlisberger gets told he's got to take his weird dick and go somewhere else. <laughs> All right, AFC South. AFC South. But, um, this is so this sad. Been, this is really it, sad. Right? I mean, it, I think we were all probably taking the Colts a couple weeks ago, but... Now, I think, and you know what? I can't even be hopeful on the Titans because they just showed their ass by getting rid of. Of, I, I don't think Tunsil and Stills really helps them either. Um, oh, the Texans, you mean? The Texans, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Were you yeah, talking I mean, about Indianapolis, and I just switched gears to the Texans? No, you you said Titans, but tech, you were talking about. Yeah, Texans. yeah. I was talking about the Texans because uh, you know what it is. Because I think the tight the Titans are my winner right now. That's why. Really? Yeah. I I think I think. Vrabel is doing a decent job for being a former Patriots coach. And I think just given the sadness around the AFC South, the Titans will probably default to be the winner. I don't see them winning a playoff game. It's going to be like that scenario, you know, a couple of years, a few years ago when like the Panthers won the NFC South, something like seven, eight and one, something like <laughs> this, that. This has been like the AFC South's reputation for the longest for, forever, time too, since, I mean. it, since it was formed. Right. Except for last year where they had two teams with 10 wins. I, I'm still yeah. going with the Texans, even though they're running running around with like a chicken with its GM head cut off. A GM with its head cut off. That's what I should have said. Uh, but, I mean, they're they're making aggressive moves, and, and getting rid of Clowney was something that I guess they just kind of had to do. I don't know why they couldn't get a better deal Shout than Shout out did. to our friends at Battle Red Blog who are still to this day. I think they're, they're pouring some more drinks over there because they just don't know what happened with Clowney. They thought they could get the world for Clowney and, like, yeah. yeah. Your magic beans they, didn't they, get you much. They still have Deshaun Watson. They still have the best wide receiver in the league. They're, they're going to make noise. They're going to score a lot of points. Uh, sure, but it's been, it's been a, yeah, know. but that's it. Is like this was a team that for many years has predicated itself on its defense to take it places, and now suddenly you're looking at a future where maybe that's not the case. <laughs> yep. AFC West. Oh man, it's kind of a coin flip between the Chiefs and Chargers, and it's hard for me to to be the guy that thinks finally everything's going to go the Chargers way because they, they have been the the Charlie Brown of that division for a long time where it's just like everything should be looking up for that team. Their logo, everything looks, should like, be coming their logo together. looks like Charlie Brown's shirt too. <laughs> it does. And it's just like, why hasn't it all worked in in coordinates in, in just one season? And uh, I mean, who's going to pick against the Chiefs right now? Not me. Or, I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the, I have yeah. the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. There you go. All right, NFC East. Uh, Jeremy, you want to run away from this one screaming, I know. Um, I think I said before, yes. I'm taking the Eagles here. 
I I think you know what uh, do you think Elliot I don't think Elliot I think will be back by the Cowboys probably not week one but I think that that holdout is finally coming to a close there there does seem to be trending in the right direction maybe even get it could potentially even get done before this podcast gets released based on yeah. what, what I'm hearing I think but. the question is then are you yeah I, I think the question then is does Ezekiel Elliott play week one or does he need some more time to kind of because he's missed all right. of training camp, he's missed all the preseason. Yep. I know he went down yep. to Cabo, and that's more of a, a a a vacation destination. But apparently, he was getting shredded down there. So, <laughs> like, there's that. But I think he is going to need some time to acclimate, and maybe you don't bring him on with the giant against the Giants. But I mean, it's also the Giants. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm picking the uh, the Dallas Eagleskins. The, the new Dallas Eagle skins. Yep. I see what you're doing there. NFC North. No. Redacted. Redacted. We cannot talk about the NFC North by permission of Jeremy. Ask for a Freedom of Information Act and you'll get it by Thursday or Friday. Jeez. We're a government body now? Okay. Yep. Uh, let's take this in the home stretch. NFC North. Uh, NFC South. Uh... I kind of think this might be a year that the Falcons rebound. I'm going to, and and this is another, I think kind of three headed race because the Panthers are that the Panthers are still in the midst of a over 500 under 500, like flip flop every year. And so last year they were under 500. So, you know, I think if you follow trends, be, that, you said you're about trends. I am. Panther, the Panthers are due for a, a, a winning season again. But Listen, I don't know something about the Falcons intrigues me this year. I, you know what? Here's the thing with the Panthers. To ha- that that sled they had at the end of the year from November until Dece- the end of the season. Yeah, that was like the inverse of the 2016 second half Lions yeah. <laughs> season. So insane. again, like regress to the mean, everything else. They had probably the worst amount of luck I've ever seen in a football team in recent history. I'm not a big believer that they will go places. However, I don't. I can't just immediately pencil in the Saints because we've seen that the Saints like to make these long runs and then just immediately just kind of start faffing about. It, it seems to be a way Sean Payton like saves time. Um, do I think the Saints are incredibly good? Yes. I think actually both the Panthers and the Saints probably make the playoffs, but I do, I, I do want to go out on a limb and I will say the Panthers probably get some good luck this year and they will probably win the NFC South. But as you say, this is a tight race for all teams involved. Even the Buccaneers could be a bit of a spoiler. I don't think they'll take the division, but they could uh, spoil like, some games for some people. Here's here's my one big prediction for this division. Mm-hmm. Somehow, the New Orleans Saints are going to get screwed by the pass interference. I hope they do. Reviewable thing. I really hope I they do. Would, it would be my favorite thing to happen in the 2019 season. I really season. hope the they do. They worked so freaking hard to, to get implemented in the NFL screws them over has there been a fan base that has pissed away goodwill as fast as the saints did (laughs) after getting screwed over in the nfc championship like everyone hates and thinks they're just whiny crybabies over this like they went from being oh my god i can't believe that happened to god will you guys just shut up (laughs) they did that zero to 100 real quick they did NFC West uh, Jeremy I think this is kind of hard for me not to just say Rams I don't think yeah. the Seahawks have an outside chance they've still lost too much I know they had a decent preseason showing but uh, yeah for me it's the Rams again like that's that's real in in LA I think 
I do think it's going to be a more competitive division than it was last year. I think the Niners are, are going to rebound with I don't, Garoppolo, even though he I think Garoppolo awful looks in the awful. preseason. Uh, he was Garoppolo, awful in the preseason. I, I am ready to write off Garoppolo right now, and I will not eat crow if you tell me to. Uh, <laughs> I will not. But, I mean, how many times are we like, oh, the Seahawks don't look like their roster is as good as it was last year, and then they come out and make the playoffs anyways? Yeah, but they always. I mean, it's it's kind of almost as a wild card sometimes, though. Like, I mean, yeah, it was a wild card last year. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, they're they're going to contend. They're going to be a good team this year, and and I still think the Rams don't. I think they come away with the division, but I think it it might come down to the last week of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm not a, f- a full believer in golf just yet, but I think the way McVay has stuff set up in L.A., like, you don't need to be. Yeah, you really don't need to be, and Off like is still a goober, man. Yeah, and we have to see what happens with Todd Gurley, but you know, just it's so like, and guess who his backup is now too? I love, I love that Bortles is still getting jobs, but I mean, top <laughs> I like to bottom, Bortles. man, they're they'll, they'll have Cooper Cup this year back. Like they're gonna have Cooper Cup back, and I mean, Brandon Cooks is still there. Like this is a roster that offensively is still very stacked. And I've already seen some people picking, once again, Aaron Donald to be MVP. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, just, I don't, I mean, the, the Rams remain one of the most complete teams in the NFL. And, and to me, it's on, like, I have so much confidence in Sean McVay and maybe I'm still just kind of swept up in this like honeymoon period for him, but I have so much confidence in his ability to game plan, even though it didn't work out so well in the, in the Super Bowl that I, I'm just like, until Sean McVay gives me a reason not to believe in him, I'm going to believe in the Rams. Absolutely. No. Um, I I just, yeah, I can't see anyone else but the Rams. Um, so, yeah, those are our winners. Uh, read, uh, AFC East, I think we both have the Patriots. AFC North, we're both in on the... Are, are we agreeing way too much here? Because we both have the Browns Maybe. and the Patriots. I have yeah. the Titans. You have the Texans in the South. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, I have the Chiefs. You have the Chargers because no, you believe nope, in Charlie. Nope. No, you have nope. the Chiefs. I have the Chiefs. I'm not okay. believing that things the stars align for the Chargers. I think you're Linus. Uh, NFC East. You then. don't want to pick anyone. I'm taking the Eagles. I mean, you're you're taking the Cowboys. So no, no, no. no. You're not taking anyone. I'm taking the Eagles. NFC North redacted. Uh, oh, NFC baby. South. I'm taking the Panthers. You're taking the Falcons. Yep. And NFC West, West like, it's the Rams. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, this will not be added to paper. You will not be able to try to hold receipts on us. We refuse. We uh, No refunds. You're not allowed to get back at us on this stuff. These are wild, crazy, off-the-cuff predictions, and... Uh, we will not be held accountable for them. So please don't go to Vegas and bet. But if you do want to bet, tune in next next time on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. I recorded a short interview with Bernie Frado, our man in Vegas by way of Detroit. He gave some great insights into the Lions. Uh, Jeremy, I kind of wish was there because he would have probably like wanted to quibble about trends and past. I know you're not a fan of those, Jeremy, but... If you want to give credence to that, Bernie will point out some trends and paints very compelling pictures to that. And that's part of what brings the Vegas perspective is you do have the past and that's what you have to kind of predicate it on is trends and projections. So make sure to tune in for that. And I believe we're going to try to bring back first bite this week. No promises. Bernie Frado's 
podcast might replace that on the schedule here, but we're in season now. Starting as soon as I hit stop on the record, we are in season for the Pride of Detroit PODcast. We made it, folks. We made it back here. We made it to the small island where everything is right again, where we have football back again. I'm ready to sign off because it's about in an hour from when we're recording. Oklahoma and Houston's going to kick off tomorrow. We got Notre Dame and Louisville, but then Thursday, the NFL is back. Woo! Keep doing it, baby. Keep doing it. Oh, wow. wow. It's been a long run. And again, get your friends to subscribe. We got great stuff happening this year at both prideofdetroit.com and here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, if you got any suggestions, by all means, send it to us. We're looking for some ideas for fun stuff to do in the C block because I think we're going to have the mailbag a little more sparse until the bye week. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop bringing you the best Pride of Detroit podcast out there, or at least the best Pride of Detroit POD cast out there with Lions stuff and everything that makes us us. I know some people say you should just talk more Lions. Guess what? It's kind of hard to do that sometimes, especially when the team has some up and downs. We give not you, this year, baby. Not Off. this year. No, but I'm just saying. We're being I need a, a cold be, shower. We've said that phrase way too much. We're being efficient. We're giving you all that stuff. And we're making Lions football fun. It's in the promos now, too. I don't know if anyone hears those, but uh, we make Lions football fun, and that's what we're doing here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. See you, Starside. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.